Amen. So the scripture reading this morning is from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 1 through, 1 through 18. This is the word of the Lord. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the, one, like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the broom tree and he fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came the second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went into the, in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed the prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel as, your, as king over Aram. Also you shall appoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. 
Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel and all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. There, uh, there aren't too many people in my life that I can sit in silence with. You know, I don't mean just like turning off the TV and then going on your phone. You know, that's different. Or even, you know, sitting and just reading a book together. You know, that's technically silent. I mean, we're just sitting face to face. You share something. I listen. And maybe some silence goes by. And then I share something. And maybe neither one of us can think of anything to say and we're just looking at the floor or out the window or whatever. You know, have you ever had moments like that? I'm guessing you have. But how few, how few or how many people do you have in your life like that? Not a lot, right? I wonder why that is. Those moments feel good. Right? We feel close to the people that we can sit in silence with like that. But we don't have very many of those types of moments. Oftentimes they come in really hard situations where we, you know, nothing else can satisfy our souls. Nothing else can bring comfort. Like, you know, if you're uh, grieving an intense loss, TV is just not cutting it, right? It's not bringing you comfort. Or achievements just don't feel the same when we're in that place of, of deep pain. That actually, many of us are in on a pretty regular basis now because of everything that we've gone through and everything that's happening in our lives. Like, there is a lot going on that we're trying to sort through. And what can bring healing to our souls is silence. Being with God. Letting God speak truth. and Letting Him reveal His presence to us. And letting us feel that we're not alone. And that things will be okay. That requires silence, and if, if I'm right, maybe I'm not right, silence is hard for us. Some of you get a lot of silence. You say, I've had all the silence I can take. But it's hard, it's uncomfortable. Why is that, do you think? If you really think about why silence is hard. Because in silence, we have to accept the reality of how things are. In silence, we see what's really motivating us. Like if my quick urge is to pull out my phone and order something on Amazon, guilty. <laughs> you know, I'm not content with what God has already given me. Or if I have to break the silence to talk about somebody else, mm, my focus is not on me and what God is speaking to me, it's on what I think about somebody else and now we're, you know, we're getting out of the silence. Maybe we, we see, we start to understand that we're really actually pretty scared. And we're trying to deal with our fear in all kinds of different ways. Silence reveals what's really happening in our life and in our hearts, in our minds. And we see there's just this continual wheel spinning. This hamster wheel of thoughts and opinions and sometimes, unfortunately, judgments. We can't avoid that. But we can learn to tune those things out and tune our hearts in to what God might be saying to us. Silence is the place that we experience that. And, and really, if you think about the people that you can sit in silence with, it's a, it's a marker of intimacy. 
of closeness. You say, that person is one of the closest people in my life. I feel safe with them. I feel comfortable with them. I would want them to come with me when I can't speak, maybe because I'm grieving and I'm, I'm just distraught. I want that person to come into my life at that time. Silence is a marker of intimacy. So what we see with Elijah is he's going through a, di- a really difficult time. He's trying to avoid his circumstances, actually. He's being persecuted. He's feeling very threatened because everybody like him, all the other prophets, had been killed. And he says, this culture is so sinful and I just don't know what to do anymore. God, just take my life. It's too painful. And he takes off. He runs away. He tries to avoid the situation. I bet if he had an, app, an, an iPhone, he would pull out his iPhone and go on Facebook. <laughs> Who knows what he'd do? Maybe he'd go see a movie. But he doesn't have that option, so he takes off into the wilderness. He goes a day's journey. And we see he's just exhausted, he's distraught, because the first thing he does is he sleeps. Sometimes what we need more than anything in order to get to the place of silence or being with God is just rest. That's why I've spoken many times now and try to bring it up just about every week about the importance of slowing down of not trying to do as much as we're trying to do. You know, we say, how you, you know, how you been? Busy? You know, like it's a good thing, but actually it's killing us. It's not good for us. So sometimes, if we want to be close to God, the first thing we have to do is just slow down, make some space in our lives, and rest. He's just sleeping. And then it's maybe no coincidence that the next thing that happens is... Uh, God provides some food for him. Take care of yourself. Take care of your body. That's an important part of God saying, this is an important part of being sustained by my Holy Spirit, is to take care of your body in any way that you can. So he goes out on a continual journey into the wilderness, wanting to have his circumstances changed. And first, God provides uh, for him, and God invites him to share his pain. Why are you here, Elijah? And we hear his lament. It's an important part of being with God as well is just being honest. This is hard. This sucks. This is terrible. Why are you here, Elijah? And he shares his lament. And God tells him to go out and he's going to experience God's presence and think of all these different ways that happen. Let me read them to you. First, this incredible wind. We've had a lot of windy days here, right? (laughs) Sometimes it shakes the house or branches fall down, but we've never had a wind yet that actually broke rocks. (laughs) Did you at your house? Maybe? (laughs) No, okay. I mean, that's just unimaginable, right? And and maybe this was exaggerated, who knows? But the point is that this incredible uh, display and excitement happened. But that's not where God was. And next, there was an earthquake. Again, another just real-time physical display of of power and might. But that's, that's not where God was. Elijah experienced God's presence in sheer silence. Sheer silence is a word of emphasis of saying, it's not just saying, I'm just going to turn off the TV for five minutes. It's saying there was just just total, utter silence. And that's where Elijah met God. God says, why are you here? 
And God reminds Elijah of his power, of God's power and presence in a physical way. And before Elijah leaves this cave, he uh, is renewed in strength and purpose, clarity and support. Now we could talk, you know, this is the hard, these are one of the hard texts about the violence here, right? But this was the circumstances. This is what Elijah was experiencing, much like we really struggle with the violence we see in our world. It hurts us to hear about the war in Ukraine or any time there's violence in our country or you know, we're scared of where that's all going to go. Our circumstances don't change just by being in God's presence. But we can receive clarity about what we can do to continue to rely upon God. To not try and run away from our pain. To not try and numb it through all the different ways that we can numb it now. I mean, our, those are endless now. God found, or Elijah found God within the silence. Not the power and the noise or the distraction or the running away. In which in the silent, within the silence, Elijah's soul moved closer. Moved closer to listen to the Lord. He sensed God's presence. And when Elijah could listen, he was reminded that his strength had always come from God's power, from God's presence with him, from God's strength, especially as a prophet. That truth would not change, but he received clarity and wisdom. And he realized he didn't have to strive for the strength that came from God. Rather, he needed to receive it. He needed to accept it. Friends, silence is key for listening to God, for being with God. I'm guessing we probably don't need more information. You know, I could come here with uh, three to five really awesome points, and you might even write them down. Deb, you used to take notes, Deb. You probably would. You'd write them down. And you'd take that information out into the world, and you'd say, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you all week long. It might last a couple days. (laughs) You know, our souls were made to be with God like that comforting friend or family member that you just sit with. Whether it's just in a moment of relaxation or an intense moment of of pain or maybe celebration. There's really no words that can describe what's happening now or that can comfort my soul. I'm just sitting with God. We probably don't need another podcast. We probably don't need another book. We probably don't need uh, any more YouTube videos. We just need to practice being with God. We need to practice listening. We probably don't need to do more for God. Especially the people who are here. right? You do a lot for God. And I've been guilty of saying you should do more. You should do more. But this is really it. If we can learn to be with God, then we gain clarity about what we can do. You're not dependent upon somebody else telling you what you should do in this stage of your life. Because that, friends, is impossible. We need to learn to listen to God for ourselves. And to also receive the grace that comes. Info and activity can actually become noise that distracts us from what God might say to us. There's so much noise in our lives, so much, that our souls forget and are distracted by this truth that God is with us. And that God's presence is what gives us peace. God's presence is what gives us strength. In the constant noise, whether we impose it on ourselves or we just can't actually create any space, the constant noise 
keeps our souls from sitting up straight and listening. And the noise keeps us from being comfortable in the silence of just resting with God. So this is a, the, the, the biblical witness is that getting away to be with God is really important. We see that uh, Elijah did this. Moses actually went away, right? Moses went away and got up, went up the mountain to be alone with God. And so did Jesus. Jesus regularly left the crowds, especially after something intense just happened. He leaves. He said, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get away from all these people and just be with my father. I need to stop talking. I need to stop being distracted. I need to stop you know, doing things for God. And I just need to be with God. Be refreshed and renewed and realize that God's power is what flows through me. Even Jesus needed that. So why would we ever think that we don't need that? Well, we got all the information we need, right? No, we need to, we need to, to do like what Jesus did and, and Moses and the psalmist. We read it this morning. For God alone I wait in silence. I wait. I wait in silence. Last week I uh, talked about this book, Being with God. Pretty appropriate, right? Being with God by A.J. Sherrill. It's just a remarkable book. And he talks about a lot of the different um, challenges that we have with this whole concept of being with God. Uh, he also gets into some of the science of it, which I think is really helpful for uh, our reasoning minds, you know, to understand what's happening. But in this chapter on noise, uh, A.J. Sherrill, the author, says, the practice of contemplative prayer teaches us to silence noise no matter what the context. It begins with nothing more than to meet the noise with stillness and not with commentary. Our inner commentary adds to the noise from which we are seeking freedom. So that's part of the problem, right? Is that we, when we do sit in silence, all the thoughts start coming. <laughs> And then we, we might say, I shouldn't be thinking that. Why am I thinking about what I want to eat next? You know, like I'm supposed to be sitting with God. And then all of a sudden we start shaming ourselves for, I shouldn't be doing that. It's, it doesn't work. So we have to practice. And we have to be able to discern, you know, like when is an appropriate time where I can try to sit in silence and get the reps in for just sitting and resting with God. But I like how A.J. said, how did he say it? Prayer teaches us to silence noise no matter what the context. I had this real breakthrough yesterday for myself in terms of silence and centering prayer. So we've been doing a lot of swimming as a family. Girls love it. I really like, like swimming, and we went to um, Spring Lake Park Pool yesterday. So we've been swimming at the, the quarry pond close by here. We went swimming in Beersford. We went swimming when we were camping. And one of my favorite things is to go underwater. Because when you go underwater, you know, all the outside noise is just muted. And it's got its own sounds, you know. You can hear the, the rippling of the, the water. You can hear the rush of the river. We were in a river one time. It just, it just feels different in so many ways. Actually, in this book, he talks about breathing underwater. And that's a, a common uh, contemplative uh, emphasis. But before I even read this in this book, I was at uh, Spring Lake Park yesterday with my girls and I went underwater. And this, this park is really busy, lots going on. And I noticed under the water, it sounded the same. It sounded the same as at the rec center. 
It sounded the same as at Whitewater State Park in the river. It sounded the same as in Beersford. The noise that I heard sounded the same and I could tune out everything else that was going on. And I thought, that is just like centering prayer. It's just like sitting alone in silence. Because if you can teach your soul to sit in silence, you can do it in your, at home in your favorite comfy chair. You can do that here in this sanctuary. You can listen for God's voice. You can listen for God's voice as you're driving in the car or as you're waiting in line in the, in the grocery store. It doesn't have to be dead silent. You just have to allow your soul to be silent, to be still, to wait on the Lord. You can do it anywhere. You can do it at the rec center when you're working. Right? It's in the same way. So one of the ways that I've been doing this is um, just sitting out in my hammock at the end of the night. Gina and I switch off of bedtime and sometimes it's tempting to go and turn on my favorite show that I want to watch because this is my time just for like 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> no kids. Gina's busy. I'm just going to go watch something. And I started to realize that wasn't bringing any sense of renewal or closeness to God. And, and I thought, well, I'll read the Bible. But my brain was too fried to read the Bible. So I just started taking my shoes off and going out in the backyard and sitting in the hammock and just paying attention. What do the sounds that I'm hearing, and the, the, the warmth on my skin, were there any smells or, you know, that I can smell? What do they tell me about this moment? What is God inviting me into right now? Only really just to be still and know that He's God. <laughs> that all this world is going to continue to move whether or not I can do anything to change it. That God is going to continue to uh, sustain our souls. He's going to continue to help us, to guide us. So, I wonder um, what moments you can create for yourself or silence. Maybe just a minute or two, that's a good place to start. And if you already have lots of silence, then maybe you can move into something a little bit more intentional like Lectio Divina. You notice this is a practice for silence. So I like to open my Bible in the morning if I get a good, uh, enough sleep, read a little bit of Scripture, and just sit with it to let God's Word permeate my soul. So now within the, the silence, I'm thinking about God's truth and how it affects me. I'm not just thinking about what I need to do for that day or what I wish I would have done differently yes, yesterday or whatever. I'm just letting God's truth speak to my heart. What are those times that you might have in your life just for one minute here or there? Maybe it's driving in the car, turn off the volume. <laughs> Maybe turning off the TV. Maybe actually getting away to a new space. You know, you might have lots of quiet time, but if you get to a new place, like a, like a state park, or a library even, and you just sit in that space, you might be surprised with what God reveals to you. And when you're in that space, when you're in that moment, say just this, I'm here, God. I'm listening. You don't have to pray. You don't have to say the right things. You just have to say, I'm here, God. I'm listening. Help me to listen. Help me to be still. Last week we did the, the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
You can see how the breathing practice could fit in really well with the silence, right? You can see how these things just kind of can come together in a beautiful symphony of us being with God. So allowing that silence to be there. Paying attention to our bodies. Maybe we need to breathe deeply. Maybe we need to sleep. Maybe that's what we really need is just some more sleep. Not more learning or striving or doing. Just to rest. I'm here, God. Speak, for I'm listening. I, I want to share this with you before I move, move on. Um, A.J. also says, A.J. Sherrill, the author of this book, says uh, he quotes Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, this is the importance of starting and ending our day with silence. Bonhoeffer says, we are silent early in the morning because God should have the first word for our day. God should have the first word. And we are silent before going to bed because the last word also belongs to God. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Friends, I hope that we could see from this text that Elijah's circumstances didn't change. But in silence, he was reminded that he is at his best when God's power works through him. His courage was renewed. He received new clarity, new perspective, new purpose, new assurance. And God equipped him with help. Gave him another prophet, Elisha, and said, this will be another prophet who will help you. Our circumstances probably aren't going to change. Right? I mean, depending on what specific stressor you're experiencing or if you're concerned about the, the worldwide situations that are happening, those probably won't change. But that does not mean that we cannot be renewed in God's presence to receive courage and strength, clarity about how we can tweak our lives and choices to live more fully out of God's uh, comfort. My prayer, friends, is that we could all become more comfortable in the silence with ourselves and with God so that in these most difficult days we could allow God's presence to renew us, to bring us peace and bring hope to others who may need it now more than ever. Come, Lord Jesus, we are here. We are listening. Amen. We'll take this.